0: Everybody love the Lord. Say amen. Well, tonight we're going to jump back into famous one-liners from Old Testament warriors and the life lessons within them. That's about the longest title I think I've ever done. Uh, but I thought I would throw out this. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, uh, Ike and some others said, now, did you misspell this? One? No, it's a, it's a, Pastor Sam did a play on words. Okay, so I, I probably wouldn't put that in a book title or anything, but I thought it was cute. So uh, we're looking, in, especially this month, uh, in concert with our Sunday morning series uh, on uh, uh, de- awakening the warrior within you. And I hope the warrior's waking up on the inside. And we got a warrior just showed up. He just finished his, his. It, it, would you call it a book? He doesn't even know I'm talking about him. A book about helicopter piloting. I, how do I get it? How do I read it? it's done. Do I get it like Amazon? Is it a bestseller yet? He's a warrior. There's a warrior right there. I want to read because uh, I want to hear your story. I, uh, but hey, uh, Sunday morning, Awakening the Warrior Within. I hope you I hope it's awakening within you. You realize, ooh, I can't just be sitting around on the battle uh, front doing nothing. I've got to turn my phone off to where it doesn't ring and make noises uh (laughs) sorry but uh i hope that's the case with you you realize man god's got me here not just to sit soaking sour but to to be a part of something that that empowers uh people through the place of prayer and winning the wars that god has for us to win how many of you know life just on the very base levels of fight it's a battle but we've learned that our warfare is not physical but it's what Spiritual. It's a spiritual battle, and you and you battle spiritual enemies with spiritual weapons. And so, through Sunday morning, Wednesday night, hopefully the warrior gets awakened within you. And by the by, the next you know four or six weeks, we're just we're just really stepping it up at the place of prayer and doing spiritual battle and finding great victory. Uh, and so, before we get to the slide that reveals the answer to this question, Ike, don't jump ahead because I want to just I'm going to read to you. Uh, a passage of scripture. I'm not going to tell you where it's from. I'm going to just ask you if you know where it's from, and just kind of just kind of stretch your biblical knowledge a little bit. Here's the verse that I'm calling the famous one-liner. It's really a, it's it's one verse, uh, but as you know, one verse doesn't tell the whole story. Don't go Googling it and, and cheating or whatever you do to get the answer i saw him whipping out his phone okay here's here's the quote here's the verse o our god will you not judge them for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us nor do we know what to do but our eyes are upon you we don't know nor do we know what to do but our eyes are upon you and if nobody knows where that came from, maybe it's not so famous, uh, but it's famous in, in my life, so I'll call it famous. Anyone know uh, the context of that? I got one hand. I got two hands. Uh, I got. anybody feeling good? Okay, well, semi famous one liner. Anybody, let me throw this out. Uh, uh, where is scriptural? Does, you know the scripture, Ryan? Oh, you're close. It's Second Chronicles 20, but we're going to look at those previous chapters. Uh, and does anyone know who said it, who was praying it to God? Yes. Jehoshaphat. Yeah, I thought he'd put it up there. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat. Everybody say Josephat. You know he's not. Jehoshaphat. Now, I'm not, as I've confessed, and I need to fix this, I'm not the greatest Old Testament scholar. There's guys in this room right here. Uh, who are are much better Old Testament scholars, I have to kind of get it, when I get into the middle of these Old Testament stories, I have to really work it uh, and to kind of understand exactly what's going on. Tonight, I'm going to give you a historical context for this, for this quote in Jehoshaphat. So let's, did we pray? We did pray. Lord, speak to us. Everybody say, Lord, speak to us. Here we go. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to show you the verse. I'm going to give you a quick over context, and then we'll go back and we'll break it down. Uh, There is an army, a multitude of people coming against the people of Judah. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. It's during the time of the divided kingdom. Uh, And so they have surround. they're coming up against them. Verse 2, it says, And they came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you and beyond the sea from Syria and are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And it says Jehoshaphat feared. I'm going I'm to break this down a little bit. But uh, so he calls a prayer meeting. We're going to talk about that. We're going to come back and look at it. And in this prayer, he says this verse, Uh, We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. How many of you know that's a pretty good posture? When you don't know what to do, when you are facing great obstacle, last week we looked at who? Last week we looked at who? David. And his his big obstacle was what? Goliath. And and so this is Jehoshaphat's Goliath. And so uh, we're going to look and we're going to learn some things from Jehoshaphat. That uh, that uh, uh, he had going on in his life. Now the end of uh, or the semi end of this story is, God spoke to them directive about this battle. Supernatural deliverance came, and, and in fact he confused the enemy, and the Lord sent ambushments against the enemy. And I for, I think from what I they all killed one another. It's just an amazing miraculous uh, deliverance. How many of you like your enemies just to get all messed up and Kill themselves, and that'd be awesome. Well, there's a way to appropriate. Uh, you know, you don't have to get blood on your hands. You just, you just position yourselves, and we're going to see uh, see what Jehoshaphat did as the king to position Judah in a place where God brought about a great victory, and not only brought about a great victory. But the plunder and the blessing that came as a result of it. They went out after the battle and saw all these, uh, the enemy, you know, the great multitude. Who knows what that means? It When you see the Bible talking about a multitude, there's a lot of people involved. Uh, you know, a thousand people is not a multitude. Uh, five thousand, it's not a multi, It's uh, When they say multitude, that means probably more than you can count. And this multitude lay out in the battlefield dead and and Judah went out, and it took them three or four days to pick up uh, all the the blessing and benefit that was left behind. Uh, and so uh, uh, so God blessed them. And how many of you like those kind of victories in your life? Amen. I think we can learn something from Jehoshaphat and from the uh, uh, from his response to this circumstance where he was surrounded, where he didn't know what to do. Well, you know, one of the biggest, you know, a great thing a leader leaders can do. Is be honest with God we don't know what to do but I'll tell you what our eyes are on you and so you can learn a lot just from this verse right here when you just if you just take it we have no power against this great multitude that has come against against us nor do we know what to do but our eyes are on you that you could you know the context of that you know the humility and the realization that hey he's where we our help comes and and we come to you in our time of need so But we're going to see a whole lot more than that. So let me give you a little bit of the historical context. You can go back a couple of chapters, and we're going to just kind of hit the highlights. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, and if I'm not mistaken, according to what I read here, it's during the period of the divided kingdom, meaning there was Judah and there was Israel. Uh, And so uh, that's the time span. uh, uh, He was he was the king of Judah. Uh, now, he took over after his father Asa in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. Asa, his father, uh, I would call it made an unholy alliance, uh, and he shouldn't have done that, and things didn't go well for him because of that. Now, Asa was not an ungodly man, but he, he, he did some things wrong, and as a result, uh, it seems as though uh, uh, his wrong actions and his wrong heart uh, put him in a place where, the, at the very least, the blessing of God lifted off of him. In verse 12, it says, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. Everybody go, bad choice. Okay, he didn't seek the Lord. So Asa rested with his fathers, and he died. Died in the forty first year of his reign, and they buried him in his own tomb, which he had made for himself in the city of David. And they laid him in the bed, which was filled with spices and various ingredients, prepared in a mixture of ointments. And they made a very great burning for him. And so, chapter seventeen, his son, look here, it says, And Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, uh, which Asa, his father, had taken. So so we see Jehoshaphat's taking over as the king in his father's place because of his father's issues. I thought about a a sermon called Asa's Issues. He had a few issues. Interesting, uh, uh, some of his issues became Jehoshaphat's issues. If you're not careful uh, and don't break that curse or break that tendency, it'll get past. How many of you know all of us have our weaknesses? And Jehoshaphat, as we'll learn, he had some things going on in his behalf. Now, I want you to look back up in chapter uh, 16, verse 9. And and I should have read this earlier, uh, but I just slipped ahead of it. It says this, when when in reality, when Asa uh, had lost his, I guess, anointing and grace to lead, because of his wrong choices <coughs> and developing unholy alliances with other uh, countries and peoples that he shouldn't have been. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Now, that's a powerful verse. You can take that right out of context. And I, I believe that's a, that's a truth that, that we you and I, can embrace in our life, regardless. Uh, you don't have to. I mean, I'm just telling you. I believe this is the heartbeat of God uh, for humanity. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart, I think King James says, is perfect. The New King James here says, is loyal. Whose heart is loyal to Him, and and then of course He He uh, addresses. Uh, Uh, Asa, in this you have done foolishly. Uh, Therefore, for now, you shall have wars. And so then Asa was angry with the seer or the prophet and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. He was depressed, so he was oppressing. Uh, And so he lost his leadership grace. But look what it says. The Lord is looking for someone who has a loyal or right heart. And I believe he found that in Jehoshaphat, and we're going to look at his heart momentarily, uh, because hey, uh, as we read in chapter seventeen, we'll we'll d- uh, discover that that Jehoshaphat had it going on from this standpoint of, of a right heart towards God. Now, Second Chronicles eighteen, uh, uh, J or Jehoshaphat conspires with Abraham uh, pardon me, Ahab, the king of Israel. Now. It, gosh, I sat and tried to get all this together and there's, there's years in the middle of these chapters. And so, uh, suffice it to say, this is where, uh, Jehoshaphat in all his good heartedness, he, he had this issue and he, he, he made a, a, an alliance, if you will, with Ahab, uh, to come out against Ramoth Gilead, uh, and uh, gosh, read that chapter later. It's an interesting story about first thing Jehoshaphat said, well, what does the Lord say? We need to get the prophets involved. And so, so they, they called the prophets. And one prophet, I think his name was Micaniah. Uh, he never pulled any punches with, with uh, 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 Jehoshaphat or, or with Ahab. Uh, and, so, uh, and so as a result, he prophesied a bad thing. If y'all go out against them, your Israel's going to be scattered. And so uh, Ahab didn't like that, so he threw him in prison. And, you know, if the prophet doesn't like what you said, you don't like what the prophet says, throw him in prison. And, and, and in fact, it says a lion's spirit came on the prophets. Long story short, uh, this was not good in Jehoshaphat's behalf. But it was terribly bad for Ahab because the prophecy uh, that, uh, that old Mick gave came true. And and in the battle against Ramoth Gilead, it says an an arrow came between the the parts of his armor and they took him to the back, got him out of the battlefield, but uh, he ended up dying. So, O Mick knew what he was talking about. The prophet knew what he was talking about. Now, uh, so that's just chapter 18. uh, And uh, so, Ahab dies in battle and we get to chapter 19 uh, and and it begins to record some of uh, Jehoshaphat's reforms, if you will, of of of, of uh, uh, Judah, which was uh, geographically Jerusalem was there. Uh, that's where their, the geography. Uh, was they were in Jerusalem? It says, And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to the house of Jerusalem. And Jehu, now here, here's where he gets called in on the carpet a little bit. Jehu, the son of Hananiah, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Now, this is interesting to me, uh, because He speaks the wrath of the Lord upon him, but we don't see the wrath of the Lord upon him. So it's just interesting. In fact, uh, I I commissioned Kobe to figure that out, right? there. (laughs) Tell me your perspective. Because I started trying to find it and I didn't see it. But then he says, nevertheless. So it's like the wrath of the Lord is upon you. But now it's almost like here's grace comes along. Nevertheless, good things are found in you. Now, how many of you, everybody say good things are found in you. In other words, he sees good in Jehoshaphat. And and go back to 16, what was God hunting for? He was hunting for somebody who had a loyal heart, okay? And so he says, good things are found in you. Uh, And so, everybody say loyal heart. heart. And so he says, good things are found in you uh, in that you have removed the wooden images from the land and have prepared your what? Heart to seek the Lord. And so now in chapter 19, he begins to make reforms and he really, in chapter 19, he further establishes Judah under divine godly authority. And he, and he, he sets judges in the land and he puts the heat on them and he says, you judge righteously with no partiality. Don't you take any bribes. You shall not act. You shall act in the fear of the Lord. Verse 9 says, faithfully and with a loyal, heart everyone say with a loyal heart and so here we find him he's 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 working it and he's doing right and in chapter twenty is when the when the enemies all conspire to come against him it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying a great multitude beyond the sea from Syria uh, they've come. And so uh, so that's the setup if you kind of can get that. And I'm not sure uh, how many years went by and all of this. Uh, uh, it certainly was not all this didn't happen you know, in days, it was a time span that went on. And so uh, so that's kind of the setup, the historical context. But there's a prelude to this victory in chapter 20. And like like we, we looked at David last week. You know, David just didn't wake up one day and say, I'm taking on a giant. There were things going on in his life that positioned him in a place to take on his giant. Same way with Jehoshaphat. And so we want to look At his heart for a little bit and then we're gonna look at how he responded because of his right-heartedness how he responded and didn't react how many of you know it's good when you're facing your giants not to react but to respond rightly right how many of you know in any conflict here's just a let's just learn something in conflict don't be a reactionary look at you my wife's here we will just do this together Beverly, have we ever had any conflicts? I, it, can you think back? I, I'm trying to think back. It, it, let's have you. Have we ever had any conflicts? You can Can you remember any? A few. Yeah, she's laughing. She know. We butt some. And and when it, when when we have a conflict, the best thing for both of us to do is not to react, but to. Respond rightly. So, how many of you have your spouse here? Some of you don't have your spouse here. Some of you wish you had your spouse here. Some of you wish you didn't have. A, I don't think so. Tell your spouse we should never react. Just respond rightly. We should never react. We should respond rightly. That's just that's just a great rule of thumb, right, Robert? Okay, all right. I'll just check it. <laughs> Now, uh, and, but we tend to be reactionaries. But Jehoshaphat was not a reactionary. His heart was 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 tuned in in some really key areas of his life. So, so uh, let's look back at Second Chronicles sixteen. Uh, let's see. Let's just read a little bit about him because uh, I didn't get down. But I, I wanted to uh, uh, when he was took over. He 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 began to uh, strengthen himself against Israel. But look in verse three. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. Oh, we talked about him last week. Okay, so, hey, could we just say some of this comes from his father David? We just talked about David it, it, last week. And so the, it's being passed down from generation to generation. And, so, and he did not seek the Baals, which is false worship and idols but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments, not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents. Now I'm liking this part. All of Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches and honor and abundance. Now catch verse 6. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and the wooden images, from Judah, and so he had a right heart. His heart was right. In fact, uh, if you go back to the uh, where where it says in chapter sixteen, well, I was reading seventeen. Were y'all trying to find that in sixteen? I am so sorry. You want me to start completely over? It was in seventeen. I said sixteen, but it's in seventeen. Go back. And just look at that verse. I want you to see verse se- uh, verse six of chapter seventeen. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. So that's what, that's, that was his MO, man. He was getting things straightened out, and it was because he had a right heart. So you go back to, now you can go back to 16, verse 9. Who, what was God looking for? Someone who had a loyal heart. And so we see it operating. He says, this is why he was doing, he had a right heart. His heart took delight in the ways of the lord and we read uh in another verse that he he his heart was one that was seeking after god so let's look at his heart tonight and let's just see some things about the heart of jehoshaphat that positioned him in a place where god said that's what i'm looking for man that's what i'm looking for that the that's perfect heart this right heart this loyal heart uh, the hebrew you it's really it's got a number of applications Could be complete loyal full or whole somebody who's got their heart right with god and so that's what god's looking for and you know what gosh verse 9 what's he want to do to those who he, when he finds somebody with a loyal heart to show himself strong in their behalf and what did we already learn happen in, Jeho- in, in 2 Chronicles 20? God showed himself strong in his behalf. It was because of his heart. Amen. Not because of his head and, and, and his, his military savvy. How many of you know he confessed he didn't have any military savvy? He said, oh, uh, I'm being a little fussy. Facie- uh, we don't know what to do. our eyes are upon you but the reality was he didn't know what to do do militarily but he did know what to do spiritually and that's what we're going to look at listen if you don't know what to do physically you know where do I go Uh, you know who should I you know is this the job I should take or you know I don't even know how to you know do you know I'm talking about just the things of this life hey that doesn't exempt you or eclipse you from being used by God. It's what's in your heart. Everybody say, it's what's in your heart. Amen. So let's look at his heart. Uh, From 2 Chronicles 17, these verses I read to you that you didn't know where I was reading from. uh, We'll have a chance to look at them again. The first thing I see about his heart, it was a single heart. Now, what do you mean? His heart, how many of you know the Scripture talks about being double-minded are, are, are giving yourself to different things. Look what verse 3 says. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the ways of his father David and he did not seek the Baals. In other words, his heart was single towards God. He didn't pollute his heart with, with idols and he didn't pollute his heart with the, the things of this life. And God blessed him for that. But listen, that's so important for us to learn. This is what we can learn from Jehoshaphat. We can't have a divided heart when it comes to spiritual warfare. We've got to be all in for him and say, hey, I'm here for you. I'm not here for me. I'm not here to serve other gods. You are the only God. I'm serving you and you alone. And go back to the Ten Commandments. I'll have no other gods before me. Amen. He had a singleness of heart. Number two, he had a seeking heart. Look in verse 4. He says, but he sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments, not according to the acts of Israel. He He was a God seeker. Could I tell you, and as we'll learn in just a little bit, you know, seeking God is one of the greatest spiritual weaponry on planet earth. A life of prayer, a life of seeking the face of God and Calling out to God. In fact, the promise to Jeremiah and to all of us. Call upon me and I will answer, answer you and show you. Great and mighty things which you know not. And so we see Jehoshaphat somewhere in his life. He had picked up this seeking God thing. And listen, let me tell you something. If we don't have it, we better pick it up. I'm just telling you. If, if it's, if it's, it's if our prayer life is a mediocre thing, I'm telling you, warriors, they do, they are not mediocre at the place of prayer. I am convicting myself as I talk right now because I find sometimes that, man, uh, I look at I, I just take a snapshot of, of my day on, on a particular day. And look back and go, man, that was mediocre. That was that was mundane. I was doing a little video chat with some pastors from all over the nation uh, Tuesday. In the middle of watching Taylor and changing poo poo diaper, that was a pretty exciting thing. I'm trying to learn great truth from my pastor friends on our little uh, WebEx thing we do. And uh, I I muted my microphone so they couldn't hear me. I said, poo-poo diaper? Yeah, change changed the poo-poo diaper. They didn't see. But uh, in the middle of all that, uh, hey, in the middle of all that, I realized, you know what, Uh, we were talking about things, and I I confess to those guys. If my seeking God and my, my spiritual journey Seems to be more based upon the responsibility of ministry than it does the love for Jesus. I told them that. Don't tell anybody I said that. But I had I had a little you know look at my own life and I go, my goodness, warriors. They don't seek God to get money to pay the light bill. They're warriors at the place of prayer, and this was his this was his M O. The Lord was this was before chapter twenty. This was when people were pouring on blessings in his life. People loved him so much. Man, he got rich because they loved him so much. The people bringing him presents and gifts and going, he's going, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Seeking God stuff's good. And so, man, he had that thing going on. Seeking God. He sought the God of his fathers. And then out of that same verse, we see another aspect of his heart that positioned himself in a place where God said, I'm looking for this kind of guy and I can use this kind of guy. He had a submitted heart because it says he sought the God of his father, verse 4, and he walked in his commandments. In other words, he was obedient to the command of God in his life. He was obedient to the authority in his life, that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of his fathers. He walked in the best of his capacity to live a submitted, obedient life. the will of god for his life wow that's awesome to me and here's another cool one when you look at his heart oh let me just throw this out his submitted heart if you if you fast forward over to his prayer uh, and we're going to look at it a little more detailed in a moment but chapter 20 when we don't know what to do but our our eyes are upon you uh, they all got together the spirit of god spoke and the bible says in verse 18 he bowed his head to the ground and worship god in front of all the people we're talking about a humble submitted king here okay who was not hung up with pride and arrogance he and and listen most people when they get the blessings of god they get prideful and arrogant i don't know if that means i don't know what that means to me because i uh i don't you know I've never walked to the level of blessing this guy walked in. I don't know if God doesn't trust me or what. But hey, this guy was 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 yielded to the governance of God in his life. His He, he had a single heart. He had a seeking heart. He had a submitted heart. And here's what I'm going to throw you a curve, but I'll explain. Verse 6, he had a soaring heart. Let me show you verse 6 where it says, And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Somebody have King James or another translation in front of you. So what does it it say? Yes, verse... uh, Yeah, 17, 6. His heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Somebody, any other verse? Any other translation? New American Standard, what does it say? He took great pride in the ways of the Lord. That's another uh, good way of saying it. Now, the, 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 the base word is to soar. And so, in fact, you can use the word in a negative sense. When he took great pride, how many of you know you can take good pride in the right things and you're okay, but you take pride in the wrong things. So, so and, and the word lifted up, his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Now, but the, the 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 Hebrew word there is is to soar. And now I just got this picture man when it came to the ways of the Lord man his heart was soaring in the things of God. He's like whoa man you get what I'm getting here if you don't then you're looking at me going what? I mean but man he was so engaged in the, in his In his seeking after God, his life, he was soaring. Now, that made me think of another verse, Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord, not like just, when are you showing up, but serving and waiting on him. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. I'm telling you, Jehoshaphat, he got so uh, fired up in his walk with God and the ways of God that his spiritual life was soaring. I can tell by the look on y'all's face, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are looking at me like, I never experienced that before. No kidding, when I look back there, I said I'm all excited. I look back there y'all go, Man, hey, we're talking about this is what it takes to 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 God show Himself strong in our behalf and see these supernatural victories take place in our life. Most people sitting around going, "Lord, you don't." Hey, we need our hearts have to begin to soar. Our hearts have to be submitted. They have to be seeking and single and not, not all convoluted with the things of this world. And finally, his heart, uh, I'm gonna, this is a kind of a stretch, but I don't think so. It's a sanctified heart. He, his heart was set aside. When you put all this together and then you look at verse six and say, he removed, you know, he didn't give himself to idols, right? He, he didn't, he didn't go the way of Baal. Look what it says he removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. What was he doing with Israel? Uh, pardon me, with Judah. He was sanctifying Israel. And so here's my, here's my read between the lines. He was doing with Israel what was going on inside of his own life, okay? And, and he was returning, I said Israel, Judah, because of the divided kingdom at the time. He was doing with Judah what was going on in his own life. And so he had a sanctified heart and you can throw that one up there, so there 's his heart, and i i I, uh, I want you to look at those things and begin to just apply them in your in your own life and and uh let me just uh, i don 't have my clock in front of me I was my phone i don 't want to get to the headphone seven forty eight okay uh, I got a little time uh, How many of you have one or two of those just kind of grabbed you man I, I, a lot all of them grabbed me but but really, if I was uh, you know that seeking heart and that soaring heart. Just I just woo. That's where I want to. That's where I want to be. Uh, and so let's learn from Jehoshaphat's heart, uh, because hey, uh, he just didn't jump up. God do great things in his life. There was a prelude to victory. Everyone say there's a prelude to victory. There's always something going on behind the scenes, and so. What a heart. Now, the quick result, I'll just hit these quickly. The result of his right-heartedness uh, and his heart that was loyal or perfect towards God, perfect not in the perf- perfection sense, but right and healthy and whole. The result, let me just throw these out to you from this chapter. He was rightly positioned, verse 5, Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all of Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat and he had riches and honor and abundance. Uh, he was prospered because of his right heart. Let's just ponder that a minute. I think we all, I think we've got time to ponder. People think about prosperity as, as uh, you know, we use passages of scriptures that sound, you know, given it shall be given unto you, good measure pressed down, shaken together. But how many of you know, you got to get to the motive of the giving. It's not like the, uh, you know, you put something in, get something out, right? And so his right-heartedness released prosperity in his life. I think that's something for us to ponder. God wants I believe God wants to prosper us. And I'm talking about money and houses and lands and resources. I'm not talking about just spiritually. How many of you know uh, what's going on in your life, it it crosses over. You you know, if you get get cranking spiritually, it impacts every other area of your life, right? Financially, socially, uh, every way. And so, hey, let's just stop. Hey, Jehoshaphat prospered. And it wasn't because he was out conniving and carrying on. It was because his heart was right. Okay. Number three, he was productive. Verse 8 and 9, and with him he sent Levites and, and all those guys, I'll skip their names, and went with uh, Elishama and Jehoram the priests. And so they taught in Judah and, the, uh, uh, and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. And when and went throughout all the cities of Judah, and taught the people, and the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land that were around Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. So here's Jehoshaphat. He was, he wasn't, uh, this didn't stay in Jerusalem, man. He took his belief, if you will. He took his right heart. He took his understanding of God and the book of the law of the Lord and they began to propagate it and began to be productive for the kingdom. Listen, God, hey, because ultimately it wasn't about Jehoshaphat, was it? It was about the expansion of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Judah, but the kingdom of God. And so his right-heartedness, he was rightly positioned In his kingdom, he was prospered and he was productive. And number four, we find in verse 12, he was powerful. It says this, so Jehoshaphat, verse 12, chapter 17, became increasingly powerful. And he built fortresses and storage cities in Judah. I love that phrase, storage cities in Judah. Man, Uh, and so, uh, and he had much property in the city of Judah uh, and, and the men of war and the mighty men of valor were in Jerusalem. So, hey, he was powerful. He was productive for God. He was expanding the, the word of the Lord throughout the region. And he was prospered. And he was positioned, established in the kingdom, the kingdom in his hands. So, uh, so that was the benefit to Jehoshaphat and Judah. But now let's jump in and let's, I'm going to give you a, one, two, three, four thoughts uh, from chapter 20 how when these enemies came against them in the middle of all the blessing in the middle of all the favor in the middle of all the blessing of God and the reforms and and getting everything right so hey let me tell you something when you're hitting on all eight cylinders there are some people who do not like it and from a spiritual standpoint when you're hitting on all eight cylinders the devil certainly doesn't like it and he will Amass a multitude if he has to to undermine the blessing and favor of God in your life if you're if you're walking listen if you're walking in the right heartedness of Jehoshaphat and you're walking in the and, and, and you're a recipient of these benefits of being positioned and pro- prospering and productive and powerful, there are spiritual forces of wickedness conspiring together to undermine what's going on in your life because what's going on in your life is not just about you it's about a lot of people that you're going to affect by your walk with God so understand this I don't think mediocrity is in the crosshairs of the devil and if you don't want to be in the crosshairs of the devil uh, you know be mediocre but I'm just saying uh, in fact in my mind you've already been defeated in that sense but but those of us who endeavor to learn from Jehoshaphat and begin to experience this blessing and favor of God in our life, we become a target for the devil, and we need to realize that. But we cannot fear. So I see four things that I'm going to show you. In in fact, let's just look in chapter 20. Look what it says, uh, uh, verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared, stop right there, how many of you know when fear comes you got to respond rightly we can't react when fear comes most people are reactionaries most uh 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 uh, christians when fear comes they start trying hey what are we going to do what are we going to react they're prayer warriors rather than prayer warriors but he didn't react to his fear he responded rightly and Joseph feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the, court, house of the Lord before the new court. And, the, and he begins to pray in verse 6. But let me give you four things. The first one is this. Uh, when, when he was faced with his enemy in his Goliath, if you will, and he was, he was uh, uh, fear came upon him. He immediately invoked a personal and corporate time of prayer and fasting. Immediately. The first thing we do against these physical enemies is not sharpen our swords, but get in the presence of God. And began to submit ourselves and yield ourselves to the governance of God. You see, Jehoshaphat knew, just like Paul uh, uh, taught us in 1 Corinthians uh, 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You fight physical battles on a spiritual plane. Most physical battles have spiritual roots. And Jehoshaphat knew that. And so the first thing we did, we see him do, he invoked the, a personal, he said himself, and then he called the church family, we're going to proclaim a fast. And they all gathered together, and I'm telling you, there's power in the corporate as well as the personal prayer and fasting time, it will break the powers of darkness off your life. If you remember, the disciples couldn't cast out a devil. You remember this? They couldn't cast out a devil. They got frustrated the devil was, wouldn't leave, uh, you know. And, and Jesus came. They said, well, you know, we've tried. We can't do it. Jesus said this. He said, this kind doesn't come out except by what? Prayer and fasting. There are some battles that will not be won Unless we pray and fast, not just pray, but pray and fast. Everyone say prayer and fasting. In fact, what did Jesus teach in Matthew 6? Not if you fast and not if you pray and not if you give, but when you pray, when you fast, and when you give. These are just givens for, for, for the, 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 the disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. And so Jehoshaphat had it going on. He knew exactly where to head. Man, I don't know what to do. And I'm afraid the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to to invoke what I know to be a valid key ingredient of of breakthrough. I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast and I'm going to call the people to pray and fast. Amen. So, So invoked personal and corporate prayer and fasting, number one. Number two. He invoked the faithfulness of God with prayers of faith. He invoked the faithfulness of God. Uh, somebody, I, I meant to write down the definition of invoke just so you'd know. It's, it's not a, in a forceful sense. Uh, somebody Google it. Somebody give me the definition. I don't have I could do it on my phone. Invoke. Who's got it? Invoke. What's the definition? I want you to catch this in a better context. Anybody get it? To invoke. There you go. I should have done that. Okay, stop. To call for with earnest desire. Keep going. Wow. I didn't even know that was in there. Man. Man you can he's engaging he's invoked see i believe jehoshaphat knew a principle about prayer and fasting and he 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 engaged the activity of god in his life through prayer and fasting and then he invoked anybody got any other aspects of that definition you want to throw out okay here we go we'll move on because i'm running out of time He invoked the faithfulness of God with prayers of faith. Now, he starts praying in verse 5 and 6. He gathers them together, verse 6, and he says, and I'm going to read it pretty quick, but you catch this. And you catch what he's saying here. He's reminding God of his faithfulness. Now, he knew God was faithful. Everybody say God's faithful. And, And listen, if you don't know God's faithful, it's hard to invoke the faithfulness of God with a prayer of faith. Okay? Everybody say God's faithful. Here he goes. O Lord, our God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hands is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people, Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, uh, and this is what he's quoting if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple. And in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. Now, he didn't ask him to hear and save. He knew he would hear and save. Come on, somebody say amen. Now, I'm telling you, he invoked the faithfulness of God. He reminded he was really, he probably reminded everybody else, but are you, is this not who I'm talking to here? The faithful God who said, who promised all this to us and said if we come and we cry out to you you will hear and save. and now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt but they turned from them and did not destroy them here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possessions which you have given to us to inherit O oh, our God, will you not judge them for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah with their little ones, catch uh, the picture, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Whew, you get the picture? That's a man. I'm telling you, he invoked the faithfulness of God with a prayer of faith. Now fast forward to the New Testament, the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty three, "If you ask in faith and don't doubt." Here we find Jehoshaphat. He's all over this man. He's invoking the faithfulness of God with prayers of faith, and he begins to declare it and speak it out. Amen. Now, catch this. Here is the leader of all of Judah. The enemies are, are outside of town somewhere. The multitudes. Now, everybody say the multitudes. In other words, we don't know how many there are, but there's a whole lot of them. We could not count them. There were way too many. The multitudes are out there. He gets up in front of the people. They're praying and fasting, and he gets a hold to God, and he says, you will see us. You said, uh, hey, this is what you said. If disaster comes upon us, uh, we'll stand in this temple. We'll cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Now, the enemy's right. This is not some kind of, you know, Pentecostal church service, where there's no enemies outside the door. You catch what I'm saying? Man, he's putting it all on the line right now. Invoking the faithfulness of God with a prayer of faith. Whoo! This is how he he didn't react, but he responded. Number three. He invoked the prophetic directive. Now, let me throw this out to you. When you start praying and fasting and you invoke the faithfulness of God with prayers of faith, it positions you in a place where God can speak. If you're reacting, God can't speak. I mean, if you're, (laughs) it's fearful. But if you're positioning, in fact, look what it says. Now, get the picture. All of Judah with their little children, their wives, uh, uh, their little ones, their wives, their children stood before the Lord. The prayer had been prayed They have invoked uh, the the power of God through the prayer and fasting and, 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 and engaged God at the place of prayer and fasting, invoked the faithfulness of God with prayers of faith, and God begins to speak. And listen, all any of us need when we're facing the Goliaths or the multitudes of enemy is one word from God. And you can walk on the word of God. And God begins to speak. Now look, in verse 14, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of ben the son of Jeh... Man, let me just throw this out. He's given a pretty in-depth history of this fella. They knew him. He was a trusted, prophetic voice. It wasn't like, who's that guy? Listen, you got to be careful who you listen to. But man, they're in the presence of God, and the Spirit of God began to speak. And here's what here's what the Spirit of the Lord said through him. Listen, all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you: Do not be afraid nor dismayed, dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them, and and will surely uh, come up. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find uh, them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Je- Jeruel. In other words, he spoiled. The Spirit of God spoiled the enemy's battle plans. And you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. He said, go out against them, but you're not going to have to fight them. Okay? And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and in the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord and worshipping the Lord. Now, let me say... Two things about this prophetic directive. I said it already. This pro- prophetic directive came through a well-known and evidently very trusted source. I mean, just, they, man, they knew his whole heritage and history. They knew him. Jehoshaphat trusted him, and the Spirit of God spoke through him and gave prophetic directive. Number two, they were positioned to listen. They were just standing there. We don't know what to do. You know one of the best postures you and I can take when we don't know what to do? Get in the presence of God and don't move till he talks. Invo- pray and fast and invoke his faithfulness with prayers of faith and begin to tune yourself to hear what he has to say. And he gave them directive to so know exactly what to do. Now the last thing that I see Jehoshaphat in his response, he invoked the presence and power of God through worship. Worship, prayer is a powerful weapon of warfare. Worship is a powerful weapon of warfare. Someone said once years ago, worship and praise is the language of faith. It just, it's just what happens when you're a man of faith. Uh, The the prayer, the the praise and the worship of God. Now, interesting thing about uh, their response. Uh, Oh, and let me just say, the word of the Lord did not say, go worship. go out there and stand and y'all have a worship service. This was Jehoshaphat's natural response. In fact, we're, I'm going to show you this and we'll be done. There was pre-, mid-, and post-worship. In other words, when do most people worship? After the mirror. Woo, look what the Lord has done. One, 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 look what the Lord, hey, he healed my body. He touched my mind. He made me just in time. I'm going to praise his name, You know, oh, we praise him when he comes through. But most people don't do that because they didn't praise him before he came through or while in the middle of, the, of what was going on. And, and let me just throw this to you and we'll be done. So, hey, the prophet spoke. Don't fear, tomorrow go out. Before th- tomorrow came, what did Jehoshaphat do? They bowed and they worshiped God. Then the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and the children of the, of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Everybody say loud and high. Now, let me just say, there, there, that wasn't mamby-pamby worship. That wasn't, thank you, Jesus. I'm just telling you. They got, they got their praise and worship on. They were in battle. They were, they were positioned. Hey, listen, uh, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna get the victory here. They got out, I'm telling you, through the leadership of Jehoshaphat. Once he bowed down and started worshiping God, the Levites who were the primary worshipers, they got their praise on with their voices loud and high. They started stirring it up in the Holy Ghost with their worship of God. That was before battle time. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And they went out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you behabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord God, you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, now catch this. He had consulted with the people. He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they, so here they go. So this is, this is on day one of battle. In fact, there was only one day of this battle. They, but the day before, in the middle of the battle, as the battle is supposed to begin, they got their praise on again. And they just, in fact, they got, they got serious about it. We're, we're, this is not just whosoever will. We're appointing people. Listen, this is your section. You get, you get with it. You're, this is your. you lead these people let's get this going I mean there was strategy and they said praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever verse 22 now when they began to sing and to praise catch this the Lord sent ambushments against the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir who had come out against Judah and they were defeated now how did that happen for the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them and when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir they had up to destroy one another. I'm digging it. But it didn't just happen. There was somebody who had a heart, a leader who had a right heart, who led the people into the middle of their, could have been their darkest, most depressing day, became their greatest day. Because his heart was right. And he invoked God at the place of prayer and fasting and invoked the faithfulness of God with prayers of faith and he invoked the prophetic directive. They got the word of the Lord and they went out and they walked on the word of God and they invoked the power and the presence of God through worship. God never said, worship me. That was not a part of the thus saith the Lord. But it's interesting to me that when they did, that's when God did. And, and they destroyed one another. Wow. Now catch verse 24. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and the people came to take away the spoil, they found among them ab- abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. I try to put this in my head. I try to get this where I can actually see this. Can you see it? Bring bring the wheelbarrow. Bring the carts. The blessings of the Lord are laying out here. Hey, Hey, there wasn't anything to fight over. They couldn't carry it all away. Now, let's read on. I just love this. When Jothat and the people came to take away the spoil, they found among them abundance of valuables of the dead bodies, precious jewelry, when they stripped off of themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there were so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Berakah, which means the Valley of Blessing, until this day. Pre-post, pre-mid and post-praise and worship. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Je- Osphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy. I can imagine. They look like Mr. T times 10, man, I'm telling you. They came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments, with harps. Now they're they're still worshiping. And trumpets to the house of the Lord. The fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries. When they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel, then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. Whoo! Man, I love that story. That's awesome. Listen, worship is much more than a song service. It's a a weapon of war. Wow, I like that story. Great one-liner, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Amen? Well, hallelujah, Let's, let's stand together.